Amen. I want to share something with you today, and I want to pick up where we were last week. Because I want, I believe God is saying to us that a lot of the time as we come to pray, as we've gone to him to make our request, we've become discouraged because we look around and say, God, but I prayed and nothing has happened. Anytime you pray, you must first believe. So you got to have faith. You must make sure that you're praying to the Father. Jesus says, you must come in my name to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, the Father will do. But something else he adds to that, praying and believing, that we want to talk about today. Turn to Mark, the Gospel of Mark, the 11th chapter. Mark chapter 11. We'll get right into it. I hope you still have something left in you. You really praise the Lord today. Amen. I don't mind it. I don't mind it at all. Uh, I want to see those days where we, we don't mind breaking hills. We're so cute today. We don't break hills anymore. Well, well, let me say it this way. Our hills are so high, we broke the hill and we broke the ankle too. So if we, we'd be in trouble. Uh, so maybe that's what it is. But, you know, there's, there's a time when we kick the shoe off. I can remember uh, people, ladies, uh, maybe, maybe ladies don't wear slips anymore. The slip section is shrunk down because uh, you can't even look and you got lines everywhere. You can, slips cover that stuff up. I tell you, that's a secret. You ought to get back to it. But I, I, remember, I remember even one sister so happy. She was just so, so grateful for God's grace in her life. And, she just got to jumping and she dancing and, and the slip just dropped to the floor. She just kicked out of it and kept going. I said, look at that something, amen. <laughs> she was just grateful. But we're so cute today that that would never happen. Amen. It should. I'm not saying it shouldn't happen. I'm just saying it wouldn't happen because we're just too cute, you know. And please don't get a, a bead of sweat. That's it. <laughs> Amen. Mark chapter 11. Just two verses here. Verse 24 through 26. Three verses, I'm sorry. 24, 25, and 26. This is what Jesus has to say. He says, therefore I say to you, whatsoever things you ask for, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. So the first thing as we come, he says, you must believe that you receive them. One of the things that I've, I've shared with you in the past is that Prayer has become kind of an activity or an exercise that's just a part of Christianity. That we, because we're Christians, we're supposed to pray. Has anyone ever heard someone teach you that? That they, you, you, as a Christian, you're supposed to pray. We can admit that, amen? So, so we've adopted prayer as what we're supposed to do because we're Christian. Rather than realizing that when we pray, this is what we're coming to, that we're going to God with our request. And we're going there believing that what sort of things we ask when we pray, that we're going to receive them. Because I've seen this done where someone is praying and they're just praying to get it out of the way. Where, you know, someone says, well, let's pray. And you say, okay, well, let's pray to get that out of the way so we move on. And I've noticed that, that but, but, but unfortunately, that speaks to not having a confidence and an assurance that God wants to do it. I've, I've, I've seen this in my, my children. We're trying to condition them and train them to always give thanks for their food. 
And we've noticed that they, they oftentimes simply want to just get the prayer out of the way so we can start eating. So the reality is they're not necessarily being thankful. We're saying, hey, when we pray, we're saying, God, thank you for this food. And one of the things that I've, I've, I've come to do, and I would encourage you to do it, because we always are not sure, even though we have the USDA and they're supposed to govern and guard uh, us against bad meat, bad food, bad product, but I would, I would encourage you to adapt or adopt to your grace prayer, your prayer of grace over your food, that you ask God to protect you from unknown impurities. Because E. coli, A. coli, J. coli, C. coli, everything else could be wandering around in there. So you want to say, God, I don't know what is unknown to me. So protect me. I even do that when we have pitch ends around here. I'm not saying that you, you know, I'm just saying. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. I was watching Sister Sugar Pie, watch some, a lady cooking, and she, 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 she took the spoon and, and tasted it. And stirred, I said, that I won't have any of that. I won't have any of that. So I don't know. So we just, you, you don't know. You don't, who, you don't know who's back in the kitchen. Amen? Amen. So I'm not talking about just here at the church, anywhere. You're sitting out at a restaurant. You're praying. God, protect us from any unknown impurities in Jesus' name. Amen. And I'll tell you this. I, I, to this day, I've never, had, I've never been sick from food poisoning. Because I asked God, God, I don't know, but you know. Because here's what the Bible says. It says that these signs will follow those who believe. They would take up serpents. It says they would lay hands on the sick, they would recover. They will take up serpents and not be harmed. But that's what they, if they drink anything, it won't harm them. So I confess and acclaim when you, when you sit down. You're not that hungry that you can't take a couple moments and give God thanks. Amen. It ain't gonna take you, ain't gonna, you, you as hungry as you are, you know, you ain't gonna pray that long anyway. So, so stop and pray, amen. It's gonna taste the same 30 seconds from now as it would have 30 seconds earlier, amen. Amen. Mark chapter 11. So, listen, so he says, Therefore, I say to you, when you pray, whenever you pray, believe that you receive the things you have, that you have those things. So, he says, You gotta have faith when you pray. And then Jesus goes on with this teaching and he says something. Else, look what he says in verse 25. He says, and then whenever you stand praying, he says, but whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive them. That your Father in heaven may also forgive you. So now, that's the thing that we want to talk about. We want to talk about, yes, you have to pray. Prayer and faith are essential partners in whenever you're praying. But the other partner that needs to be included in faith, with faith and prayer, is also forgiveness. And here's the thing that I'd like to point out to you, because the lesson today is, is, is going to be is, is, is prayer and forgiveness. And, but I want to point this out to you. He says, whenever you, whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against what? Anybody, anyone. Look what he says, forgive him. Notice this now, because this is not an invitation. This is actually a command. And the point here is that Jesus is not asking you that you need to, to work at try to get to the point or consider one day forgiven. He says, when you pray, anytime you pray, forgive. 
Because he says, but if you don't forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive. Now, the question I want to ask you then, why did Jesus tag this verse with verse number six, 26? Why would he say, when you stand praying, forgive, if prayer and forgiveness didn't go together, and that if forgiveness wasn't tied to the prayer itself? Because I would suppose that it could be that many of the unanswered prayers that we are all disgruntled about, frustrated about, discouraged about, many of those prayers have not been answered because we came with unforgiveness when we came. Because he says, whenever you stand praying, first he tells us, he encourages us to pray. So he says, therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask, whatever, whatever is anything, any kind of prayer you pray, he says, whenever you pray, believe that you receive it. Whenever, whatever, however praying, believe you receive it. Then he says, and then whenever you pray, forgive. Well, pastor, I don't understand that because uh, the stuff that I have, that I've been dealing with, uh, I, I, I just don't know how that I can forgive. The question simply is this. Are you willing to forgive? Because if Jesus says, forgive, then he's not asking you to, he's telling you to. And here's the thing. He says, whosoever will, let him come. So he is only looking for those who are willing to forgive. If you say, I'm not going to forgive the way that things are going in my life, I'm not going to do it because they don't deserve it. Then you're saying, Jesus, I know what you're saying, and I know that you're telling me that I'm supposed to forgive, but you don't understand. Well, let me tell you, he does understand. He understands more about you than you understand about you. But here's the thing, what he does understand, he understands forgiveness. Because Jesus died on the cross for people who did not even care for him. Okay, Jesus died on the cross because you feel slighted by somebody. You feel like they scandalized your name. You feel like they hurt you. They harmed you. Jesus, watch this. Jesus was dying for the very people who were yelling out, crucify him. Okay, before they got to crucify him, they said, Barabbas. Barabbas was a convicted criminal. And it is believed he was a lifetime criminal. That this wasn't his, because he was there getting ready to be, be, uh, facing with that kind of penalty that he was faced with, that very likely he had, he had committed crimes before. And they're all yelling Barabbas over Jesus. The same Jesus that had healed the sick and raised the dead. The same Jesus that had fed the 5,000. The same Jesus. That is so compassionate to every one of them. So he does understand. And that is the reason why he can tell you, you must forgive. Because he forgave. Because if we really step back and look at ourselves through the eyes of honesty, we'll realize that we ain't so good. And not as nearly good as we portray. Okay, yeah, you may be able to escape through without doing some things that other people have done, but I tell you what, the Bible says God knows your thoughts. See, some of the best people in terms of what we know of their reputation have some of the worst minds. 
And God knows your thoughts. So you fooled us, but you can't fool him. So the reality, pull it back up for me. So the reality is, Jesus is commanding us. He's, he's commanding us to forgive. He's not asking for us, he's not asking for us to consider it. He's saying, forgive. So look at this. Jesus says, going back. He says, and whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. Well, pastor, what happens if they're still doing the stuff they're doing that hurt me, they're still doing it right now? Forgive them. I don't know if I can do that. He says, you forgive so that your heavenly father can forgive you, that you have every right to come with your petition because you come not with unforgiveness, but you come with the same grace that, that allows you to go to him you're given that grace. So as I said, forgiveness and prayer are essential partners. They must be connected. You must have faith when you pray. You must have forgiveness when you pray. Let's look at the definition of forgiveness. Look here. To forgive, the essential part is to stop feeling anger or resentful towards someone. See, the thing is, you, 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 you're not, God is not calling you to forget. He's asking you to forgive. Because, see, in forgiveness, you stop feeling anger and resentment towards someone for an offense or for a flaw or for a mistake. But they didn't, it wasn't a mistake. They did it on purpose. E, that's a flaw. So he says, to give up the resentment against or the desire to punish. See, that's where we start to become angry to the point where we say, I'll never speak to them again. Because we then begin to say, God, I want to somehow, I want somehow to punish them. I want them to, to feel the penalty of what they've caused me. It's to give up all the claims that you have to exact some type of penalty on them, that you, that, 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 that you want to be able to do something when the opportunity presents itself. It means to pardon or to cancel. But look at forgiveness. That's to forgive. But look at forgiveness. Forgiving, forgiving or being forgiven, here's why we want you to see this. Because it is the willingness to forgive. See, the thing is, you're never going to forgive anyone unless you have a willingness to forgive. You have to say, God, it hurt me. It's so deep. The pain has been there so long. I don't know how to forgive, but if you help me, I am willing to forgive. Because ultimately, God is looking for the willing to forgive. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. Are you there? 
Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. Write this in your notes, it'll bless you because if you're working through this, and let me say this, I do understand, and the Lord understands that forgiveness can be difficult because sometimes what has happened to us has shaped how we feel. Sometimes things have happened to us so early in life they've actually shaped our personality. Some things have happened to us uh, so often that it has caused us much grief. But notice that the, the definition is the willing. You gotta say, God, this has been here so long and it's so difficult for me to do it, but I'm willing to do it if you help me. And let me say this, even if the person is already dead and gone, you still must forgive them. Because some of us, because the person is no longer around or because they're no longer in our life or they've moved on or they've passed on, we don't feel like we forgive. But forgiveness has less to do about them as it has to do with you. Because yes, you still have to forgive them in your heart, even though they're not around. But look what he says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23. It says, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Watch this now. Even as Christ, as God in Christ has done what? He forgave you. See, God is expected for us the same thing you expect from me. He says, I expect you to give it to others. This is something we've been helping, trying to help the children with. We've been saying, uh, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And so we've been saying, listen, if you, want, if you would want someone to share with you in this same situation, you must share with them. And it's hard sometimes for them to understand it because they just want to get. At that moment when they think about it, they only think about, I want to have it so I don't want to share it. But, but he says, just as God has forgiven you, he says, you ought to share forgiveness with somebody else. And notice, it wasn't because of them. It was because of you. He says, forgive them because God forgave you. And because you've been forgiven, you forgive them. Because the essential matter here is that forgiveness, God is expected. Now turn to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. I know I'm praying for you. I promise I am. I've been praying for you because I know this is not easy. And I'm asking God to give you the grace that you need in order to do this because so many of us have allowed for past hurt to keep hurting after the hurt, after the offense is gone because we walk around unforgiveness. Colossians chapter 3, because see, some of us might say, well, Pastor, let me say this. It seems to me that you may be referring to people that I knew before I got saved, but I have some issue with some people that I have encountered since I've been saved, and they said that they were saved. And the reason I can't forgive them because they should have known better. But look what Colossians chapter 3 says, bearing with one another. See, Bearing with one another, understand this lesson 
this letter that Paul wrote to the church at Colossus, he wrote it to not non-believers, he wrote it to believers, and he says, bear with one another. See, the thing about it is all of us are still being made well, being made whole in Christ, but none of us are whole or complete in terms of the work that Christ is doing in us. We are whole in Christ because we're holy in Christ. If you've been in Christ, you can't be part in either in or out. But once in, God is still working in us and through us and on us to make us more like Christ. So here we understand. It says, bear with one another and forgive one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, who are the others? The others are the other people in the church. See, because there are people right now who feel like they're justified for not forgiving because a person who hurt them went to church. Because the people that you got offended with were in the church, and therefore I'm justified in not forgiving them because they ought to know better. Matter of fact, they were in church before I got there. So, these words were written to the church in the city or the region of Colossae. He says, bear with one another. Because see, we have, we have this. Uh, many churches, and even our church suffers this. Many churches suffer because people in the church have ought against each other. And they won't deal with each other. And the reason that miracles, signs, and wonders don't happen in churches, most churches across the country, is because of all of the strife in the church. And strife comes from people who have been offended or hurt, and they're mad at others. Some of them are mad at leaders. Some of them are mad at the pastor. And because he's the pastor, he should have known. He knows better. But forgiveness doesn't lie with the one who creates the offense. It lies with the one who has been offended. Because the one who has offended can only apologize, but the one who has been offended can carry the, the hurt. But I'll tell you this, it is the bait of Satan to get you to get offended. Because once you get offended, you will always be offended. And see, the thing about it is that you've run from multiple churches. This is your fifth church already, and you've left other churches because you are offended and mad. But the thing is, you go back to the first offense, and you'll find that since the first offense, you've continued to be offended and offended and offended. Because you just simply won't forgive. He says, if you have a complaint against any other, even as Christ forgave you, so also forgive them. Let me show you how this works. There are some things you have done that God had to forgive you since you got saved. See, I'm not talking just about before you came to know Jesus. I'm talking about since you came to Jesus, since you came to Jesus and confessed your faith, there's some things you've had to go back and say, God forgive me. And just as Christ forgave us, he says, 
for those who you know that have offended since they came to Christ. He says, do likewise. Forgive them. Bring, bring it back up. So he says, if you have a complaint against any other, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. Because forgiveness demands forgiveness. If I've been forgiven, then I must forgive because I have been forgiven. Look at this, but pastors, you know, uh, but they did it more than once. It wasn't enough. Look what Jesus, how Jesus responded. The disciples said, they, the disciples came and said, Jesus, um, what if you have someone who offends you in, the, in, in a day and they just keep coming back, keep coming back and, and asking for more forgiveness? Look what Jesus responded. Luke chapter 17, verse 4. Right there in your notes, he said, look, if, if he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times in a day return to you and say, I repent, what does he say? You shall forgive him. Because see, that cancels out the idea that because someone did the offense over and over and over, that now somehow they don't qualify. But see, they never will qualify for you to forgive them. Just like we never qualify for God to forgive us, he forgives us because he chooses to forgive us. You haven't done well enough since you asked for forgiveness to earn the forgiveness that he gave you. But you got this with forgiveness because he chose to forgive and the thing saying here, you must choose to Forgiveness is a choice. Forgiveness is a choice. But it's the last point I'm going to make. It. I'm praying for God's grace to rest on you. Because look at this. To truly forgive, you must also repent. Pastor, what is wrong with you? You mean to tell me that they did this offense to hurt me and they have not said they were sorry, they, they've not repented of it. But in order for me to forgive them, I must repent. What am I repenting of? If you go back and look at the definition of forgiveness, forgiveness is giving up the anger and the desire to do them harm. Why, do we, why must we repent in order to forgive? Because of Ephesians chapter 4 verse 26. He says, be angry and do not sin. Because see, you can be angry and not sin. It's become sin when you have a desire to see harm done to that person. See, the, the, the pain that you've had is so deep that you felt so angry and so anguished about it that you wished something happened. You didn't say it, but you hoped it. And every time you would hear their name, you were hoping it was bad news. And every time you heard good news about them, something inside of you stirred and you got angrier because how dare they have good news? And how dare they do well 
until they do right by me. How dare they get a new car? How dare they get a job? How dare they get a promotion? How dare they have any good come their way? All the hurt they've caused me. He says, be angry, but don't sin. See, it becomes sin when I hope you get hurt. I'm expecting for some bad news on you. Look at this last definition of forgiveness. Forgiveness is the intentional, voluntary process. Notice it says process, but you gotta, you gotta be willing to get in the process in order for God to bring healing in you. You gotta be willing to forgive. You gotta be willing to get in the forgiveness process. It is the intentional and voluntary process by which a person harmed undergoes a change in feelings and attitude regarding an offense and lets go of the negative emotions such as vengefulness with an increased ability to wish the offender well. You know you have forgiven when the person who's hurt you, you can pray that God helps them. And not help them regarding you, but help them because they need help. But what keeps us from doing that? Revenge. The vengefulness. And why would God require me to forgive and to repent? For this very reason. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, and I will repay, says the Lord. See, the thing is, the reason why many prayers have gone unanswered is because, because you still walk around with vengeance, revenge, and vengefulness in you. You have taken what belongs to God. And he says, I'm not going to answer your prayer and give you what you want until you give back what belongs to me. And that is vengeance. And the only way for you to give up vengeance is for you to forgive. Because see, as you take vengeance, you take what belongs to God. He says, vengeance is mine. And because you walk to me, so watch this, as you come to pray and you have unforgiveness in your heart and you come and you say, God, I'm coming to you, but because you didn't forgive, you still have vengeful. And God says, I'm not going to respond until you give me what belongs to me. You can only give up vengeance when you forgive. And you can only forgive by the grace of God. He says, beloved, don't avenge yourselves. How many times have we set some things in motion to get back at others? How many times have we, because we walk around with the hurt and the pain, we want to see something happen. And so we, we don't do it directly, but we indirectly try to set forth something in motion to create harm. And how many of us are walking around snapping on, going off on others, hurting people, 
because we're hurt. Going off on your husband, going off on your children, going off on your job, walking around with a chip on your shoulder. Because of this, hurting people hurt people. Until you allow God to fix the hurt in you, you will always hurt somebody. You'll be walking around hurting and hurting and, 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 and anguishing because hurt people hurt people. Until you allow God to heal the hurt in you, you're going to continue to have trouble in your relationships where people have said to you, you're hard to get along. You said, no, I'm not. I'm easy to get along. No, yes, you are hard to get along with. To deal with. No, I'm no maintenance. I'm not. I'm not. I'm easy to get along with. No, you are hard to get along with because hurt people hurt people. And you're still hurting. Yes, because you can make it up and you can look good, you can dress it up, but the hurt still comes out. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the Bible says the mouth is speaking. And watch this. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. When you think anger in you, you become angry. People don't want to say nothing to you because you just go off. You try to smile and giggle it off, but, they, but the smile, they know that right behind that you can lose it. You find yourself constantly saying, why did I say that? I would have just not did that. This wouldn't happen because hurting people hurt people. Unforgiveness keeps the wounds of hurt open. But forgiveness brings healing to the hurting. The healing that you desire you stood in prayer lines and they laid hands on you. You got up, you felt good, but you went right back to things that just... You've asked the pastor to pray with you. You've asked friends to come into agreement with you. You've asked others to pray with you that you, that you, that you might do better. And it doesn't seem like it works. Because unforgiveness keeps the wound open and that, that place that they hurt you, those areas that they hurt you, the places that they've done damage to you, they stay open. The wounds never heal because unforgiveness keeps it open. But I say to you today, you deserve to heal. You deserve to heal. But you'll never heal as long as you carry unforgiveness. Unforgiveness reaps anger. Anger reaps wrath. Wrath reaps vengeance. And God says, vengeance is mine.